Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you for joining me on this sports podcast. We have a lot to discuss, a lot going on in the sports world, a very busy August, and I'm pumped to be back to break down sports with a pair of guests to preview a lot going on in the world that we love so much. We're going to start with my buddy Josh Whitten, my co-worker from the Tennis Channel, a huge golf nut. We're going to preview the PGA Championships, which has a star-studded field on the course in San Francisco. Brooks Kepka going for a three-peat. Bryson DeChambeau, the talk of the tour for both good and bad reasons. Justin Thomas, the number one golfer in the world. And, of course, Tiger Woods, to name a few. We're going to break down the course, what challenges it possesses, and a lot in our picks of sleepers we like and dislike. Good to be talking golf and some hoops with Josh Whitten. And then I talked to my college buddy Tyler Tesson about a wide range of sports topics. We go around the globe talking NHL bubble, MLB highs and lows and issues with their pandemic and how they've been dealing with it, the NFL offseason and what the schedule might look like for football, whether we're optimistic or pessimistic in both the pro and college games. It's Josh Whitten and Tyler Tesson on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, back on the Money Mitch Effect. It's time for a golf major. Bring my buddy in to discuss that. My colleague, Josh Whitten, back again. It's been about a year, Josh. Thanks for joining the show. And uh, finally glad to talk about some real sports and yet another golf major. That's exciting. I'm looking forward to this weekend. And uh, it's fun to flip on the TV and actually watch sports again after this hiatus we've had. And uh, I can't wait for this weekend. It's going to be exciting. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, unfortunately, only three majors this year. No British, no British Open, no Open Championships. Um, we will have PGA, U.S. Open, and the Masters. Weird order, unique order, but we're getting something. Golf actually was ahead of the curve in getting back to playing, uh, in getting back to these tournaments, coming back. There was a three-month break. A lot to discuss about that, about what some players are looking like going into this tournament. But, Josh, we'll start with this as, as the expert, as I call you. <laughs> the course itself at TPC Harding Park in San Francisco, beautiful outlook. You can you can see a lot, see the water, see a lot of different things. Looks like a great place to play. Looks also like a very tough place to play with some uneven rough, some great fairways. You can hit it straight, but you know Tiger even said, I think I saw the quote was, "You better not hit by these trees because that's going to be tough." So, with that in mind, and with the note also that I think fairways were moved in, moved in about sixty percent from normal. What are you expecting from this course, and what could we fans look forward to seeing? And of course, it proves to be, or it will probably prove to be, a challenge. Well, uh, having played the course myself a couple of years ago, I know how difficult it is. Uh, the weather is going to be a factor this week. The, the temperatures aren't going to get above seventy degrees, and with that cold, wet uh, San Francisco climate up there, it's the ball is going to travel eight to twelve percent shorter than last week where they were in Memphis. Uh, that's certainly going to be one of the issues. I heard David Duvall say yesterday on the Golf Channel that last week they were hitting seven irons 190. This week they're going to be hitting at 160. So mm -hmm. that's definitely going to play a major factor in it and just getting back dialed into to playing a, a course with the, with the wet marine layer and the fog that rolls in and the wet rough. I mean, I, I have seen some videos of some of the players in the practice rounds this week and if you're six inches over from a decent lie, you could be in a brutal lie and not even be able to advance it 100 yards. So one of the, uh, the, the beauties of a major championship is the difficult 
way they set up the course. And this week seems to be no exception. Um, and really, like I said, looking forward to it and looking forward to, to see who comes out on top. Yeah, absolutely. I really think that this is going to be an exciting field, an exciting time. I think um, looking to you know the, the major players that we have in it, Josh, I mean, you, you talk about the new blood in golf and the old guard. Just look at last weekend. At St. Jude in Memphis, Justin Thomas wins that. It was a competitive leaderboard. Brooks made his push. Uh, Phil was in there. Brooks chunking that one into the water. And uh, and I thought it was interesting. I know you saw it. JT got kind of bailed out by the fact that there were no fans because he missed that. He shanked that one badly where the hospitality tent would have been. Huge break for him. But uh, that's the number one player in the world. He comes in with the win. He's he's lurking in this tournament as a number one golfer, about 11 to 1 odds to win the field just behind Brooks. But Justin Thomas, just some thoughts on him. I don't know that many people would know that he's number one in the world right now. What do you think his mindset, what do you think his uh, ability with his game to play well on this course is? I think he's in, he has a great mindset, and, and he's utilizing different caddies. I mean, his, his main caddy, Jimmy Johnson, is is going on through – going through some health concerns at the moment and he had bones on the bag last week and for all of you that don't know bones caddy for phil for 20 plus years so it was a really uh good week for them and it would not surprise me in the least if he were to win this week he's confident he's looking forward to it he hits the ball long even though he brooks outweighs him by probably 60 pounds he can keep up with the big guys so um i would put him at the top of the list um, absolutely as one of the favorites this week. Uh, and he's not scared. He's already wanted a major. So that's that monkey's off his back. And um, among some others, I know what we're going to talk about. He's definitely right up there. And what a story would be if they went back yeah. to back. And if he does win again with, with bones on the bag with Jim McKay in the bag, there's no way he's ever coming off the bag. <laughs> I think that they'll continue that, that relationship and 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 move forward for the next 15 20 years again so fun fun uh to follow him this weekend certainly one other thing about jt is he's paired with tiger and rory and i think uh if i correct me if i'm wrong but he's maybe lost to tiger head-to-head in when they played into the same group once in his entire career he gets up to that fact they play a lot of rounds together back home in jupiter and they're comfortable and it's not going to be i know there's no fans out there but there's no nerves in his body he gets pumped up he's excited and it's certainly going to be fun to watch i'll be tuning in tomorrow at 8 33 a.m looking forward to it we can't wait for that josh Wooden here talking pga championships on the money mitch effect uh Great point about him playing with Tiger, getting up for the big matches, big matchups. Nobody does that better in golf than Brooks Kepka. Even people appreciating him, I think a lot are forgetting the fact that he's going for a three-peat here at the PGA. Yeah. He's won the last two, a two-time defending champ, and hasn't finished outside the top five in a major since the 2018 Open Championship. So that's six straight majors where he's been right at the top of the leaderboard, always lurking in the hunt. I find it fascinating, too, Josh, about the PGA. He's he's kind of a chameleon because this event changes courses. It's not the same setup, same structure, but there's Brooks every year making a run at it. You can tell more than anything, this is what he cares about, winning majors and collecting them. You know he's going to be up for this one. 100%. And he's not afraid. He's 
fearless out there on the golf course. He knows he hits the ball far enough. He knows he can knock the putts in, and he's done it before. And um, his best friend, DJ, uh, hasn't gotten it done over the years, and he's kind of sailed past him. And DJ's not an afterthought. He's one of the best in the world. But Brooks is uh, in in good form coming in after a T2 last week, and I do not blame Vegas for giving him the the, uh, the uh, being the odds-on favorite here this week. Um, the the cold weather is not going to affect him at all. I don't think, I mean, all these guys live down in South Florida or Arizona or Texas, but the, he's someone that has proven around this country uh, that he can do it. And mm-hmm. um, that long rough that we mentioned earlier is not going to be a problem for him getting out or chopping it out and getting up and down. And that that's one thing that uh, I know we'll talk about Bryson later, but Bryson's wedge game is not as, as dialed in as some of these other guys. And um, that could lead to his demise. Well, fast starter, I think, is one way to describe how Kepka has been playing in a lot of these majors and playing well with the lead. You know, Tiger's the stat that you always talk about how well he does on a major Sunday when he has the lead. Kepka, with some of the performances, the one wire to wire win almost, it just seems like he's fine with that bullseye on his back. I, I even go back to that 2018 PGA where Tiger had the crowd in a frenzy and Brooks was like, okay, I got this. I'm still in the lead. And he did. So yep. he's fearless. The weather doesn't affect him. We've seen that. We can talk about Bryson now because I just want to know what it'll take <laughs> to get those two to play together in a final pairing. Uh, that is my new favorite rivalry, I think. Uh, definitely in golf. I'm just trying to figure out where it is in the sports world. I can I can appreciate Bryson without being a fan of his. I'll say that from my personal perspective. Yeah, and you know, Bryson is such a polarizing guy now because he went from this golf geek guru kind of guy who to a meathead you know, <laughs> yeah to exactly to a meathead who in the last month alone has had three incidents that just reflect very poorly on yeah him. let's become, josh let's get into that because this is your this is your <laughs> avenue here so there's been a couple incidents with with cameras with a couple that have involved rules officials and, and really complaining it, it would seem to me if you could break those down and why he was right, or as it seems, in, in your opinion and mine as well, wrong. Well, I think in all three occasions he was wrong. I mean, to complain about the cameraman is pretty ridiculous. Uh, he's doing his job. He's following him down the fairway. And that's what they're there to do. And he should know that. And that's why he makes a million dollars when he wins every week, if he were to win. You know what I mean? So um, that is atrocious. The out-of-bounds at the memorial was – he's just begging for – for a favorable ruling and even though he is one of the stars of the game now you the beautiful the beauty, the beauty of golf is everyone's treated the same so if he says give me another ruling like he's done to the same exact marshal both times um and asking for slugger white to come on the head guy he's just he's it, it reflects poorly on him and he's become this prima donna guy and the burrowing animal or the ants the dangerous animal (laughs) that he went through last week was obnoxious i mean come on and when he pointed to the red ant that was five feet away from him that just goes to show that he's looking for a handout and that's not the way this game is played and that's not uh not something that i have enjoyed seeing out of him you know he could have kept it he could have gained the weight gone towards Brooks in terms of gaining the muscle and um, hit it 420 yards like we've seen a couple times this year and 
he's already <laughs> spoken this week about, oh, I'm just going to bomb it out there every time. The rust's <laughs> not that penal and yeah. this and that, but. I, I just think it's interesting too that uh, well, first of all, you got to give credit to Brooks for just trolling him the next day yeah, with, with that saying he saw an ant. Um, that was that was <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, th- there is definitely uh, an issue with Bryson in terms of complaining, and I also hate in certain sports where there might be some negative and, and a lot of times untrue stereotypes that you hate to see a golfer complain and why and look soft because you've heard people say that unfairly for a long time. Bryson's not helping his sport out when he just complains as one of the premier players. But I got to give him props because adding that weight, you know, he said 20 pounds uh, in the last three months, 40 or 50 mm-hmm. even in the last couple of years. He's been increasing his drive. I think the stat is like 20 yards on average yeah. since he's come back. I mean, 400 yard bombs. He's really proving that, you know, on the tour and all the, you know, at 11 to 1 in this tournament with the four top 10 finishes that he's had in these six events that he's played. He's proving that it doesn't have to be that straight. He just bombs it, and that's playing to his advantages. But my question to you is, we talked about this course. Does that set up well for him? If he's not in the fairway, if he's not that straight, can he overcome being in the rough, even if he is hitting it that much further? Well, part of his whole stick is, and you know, he's a physics guy and has, has revolutionized at least his game in terms of all of his clubs are the same length. So his seven irons the same length as all of his wedges. I don't know what degree wedges he has in the bag, but he has struggled with his wedge game because th- there's there's no difference in in how he's going to chop it out of that rough. So I really think it could be to his detriment this week. Now he might be flipping that in his own mind and saying, I'm just going to bomb it down there because it's easy to get out of this rough. But we know, and I shared with you that, Polter video, for instance, from Instagram, the rough is very penal. And whether you're hitting a wedge or a seven iron, it's still going to be very difficult to get it out of there. So I do not think of him as one of the favorites this week. But, you know, it's golf. Anything can happen and we'll see. But I I think also that he's probably in a better off position because there are no fans there. I mean, this isn't a tournament that's in Long Island and San Francisco's known to be a little bit more um, quiet in their Mm -hmm. galleries, but um, playing without fans is probably the best thing for him this week. He doesn't have any distractions, and that's that's good for him coming into this week in the first major championship of the year. Hard to believe also that he hasn't finished higher than 15 in a major and 33 in a PGA. So whatever it is, it hasn't translated, but this is a new Bryson. We'll see. Just don't play slow. That's my one one thing. Like, I, and and why isn't it like tennis where you get the warning and then we'll just start penalizing you? Bam. You know, it that's be immediate. That's the problem. He's just also taking advantage of rules not being enforced. So Bryson Brooks, Bryson coming in at eleven to one, along with Justin Thomas, just off the favor odds in the betting circles. Uh, Tiger again hasn't played much this year. We'll get to him now. You can get him anywhere between twenty eight to one and thirty thirty five thirty seven to one. So not. You know, it's a staggering number, especially considering that he won and broke his major drought last year at the Masters, but hasn't played. Played the Memorial, finished 40th, was lucky to make the cut there. He says he's made the cut because Bryson's 10 on that hole, actually. (laughs) He did. (laughs) That's a great fact to point out. He did. Uh, We all love to see that. But no, Tiger, you know, coming back, says he's geared up for this. And, you know, you want to believe what he says. But I'm a little pessimistic because this is an older guy that doesn't have the reps, and I know he's. He stayed fresh, but you know, this is a tough ask for any golfer, let alone somebody with the miles and wearing Terrace Tiger to come back and, and play on this course. It is. Um, 
And I would agree if this were any other course. I mean, in 2005, he beat John Daly here on this course. In 2009, during the President's Cup, he went 5-0 and for Freddie Couples, the captain. Um, didn't play in the match play in 15, but he's played dozens of rounds here from uh, when he was a student at Stanford. And he's familiar with these, like I mentioned, the marine layer and these cold coastal court California courses. Stand-up interview yesterday. The last question was, can you win? He's like, Money. of course I yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I it, that. That's just beautiful. And that confidence is what he's had every single tournament he's ever entered as a professional. He thinks he can win. It's psychological more than that. And yes, the major issue is his back. And if he can keep that warm, I mean, tomorrow morning, he's probably going to be up at 5 a.m. getting his physio, getting out on the range, getting warm, trying to get loosey-goosey. Because, like he said, when he goes, when I step outside in Florida, it's 95 degrees, 100% humidity, I'm warm right away. But here, it's a different story. And I think coming back to California and being at quote-unquote home, even though he's a SoCal guy, it's going to prove to be a good uh, mixture for Edgar. And I think... I think he's going to have a great week, and um, we'll get into predictions later, I'm sure. But uh, he would, I would put him right up there at the top, and I'd jump on that 37 to one if he's if he's that high. Absolutely. Hey, you never want to count him out. It's just uh, it's it's going to be an interesting field, especially him paired him paired with Justin Thomas right away. Like you mentioned, should be pretty good. Uh, somebody else that's won at this course, I just want to mention out is Rory McIlroy, who won yes. the uh, 2015 Match Play Tournament there. And uh, dare I say, maybe floating under the radar, I think I think it's partly because in the last couple of years, he's been raking up wins at non-major events. So Rory has some familiarity there. We'll see what happens with him as well. Yeah, he, he made a comment last week or maybe two weeks ago now where he said that it's just not the same playing in front of fans. Every course seems the same. And that really, really was an interesting comment for me to hear because – that should not be the case. I mean, I know they play for the fans and it's, it pumps them up a little bit more, but that kind of told me that he's not mailing in this year, but he's not all there yet and um, really hasn't played too great since the, the comeback. He's um, struggled a bit and I think he's only has one top 20 finish, but um, he, he, those comments, like I mentioned, he, they, they surprised me and it, I'm interested to see how he does this week. Obviously, he hits the ball a long way. He's got a great short game, so anything can happen. But he's he's one to to put on the maybe list because I'm not sure if he's completely all in mentally like some of these other guys who really took advantage of the layoff and and worked on their game and stuff. I mean, I don't think he touched the club for for a month or so mm-hmm. um, during the the initial part of quarantine. So it's going to be interesting to see. But so many great storylines this week and. Him playing with, you know, he's another guy when he plays with Tiger and Justin. Maybe that pumps him up and he shoots 400 the first two days um, and is right there in the mix for the weekend. But, yeah, um, definitely looking forward to seeing him out there with Tiger and Justin tomorrow morning. And one other player before we get to some sleepers and other players we like and maybe dislike in the field that I want to mention is a guy who got up to number one in the world briefly, John Rahm. Plus 1,400 to win the tournament. He, you know, Thomas has since taken that spot back, but four top 10 major finishes in the last two seasons. Young guy, 26 years old, is starting to prove that he can play, in some cases, beat the best. 
So another player with some steam is maybe one of the you know next men up in uh, carrying that golf torch. And uh, with a lot of years left, this could be a prime opportunity for him to make a move. Most certainly, and you know probably one of the ones on the <clears throat> um, greatest to not to have won a major yet, even though he's a young guy, but hits the ball a long way. Uh, has an interesting pairing this week. I'm pretty confident he's with Sergio and Phil. So <laughs> that is. Hey, Phil looked good last week. Phil looked great last week, but there wasn't the rough there is this week. And Phil has said very loudly that he hates rough. So while he's a California guy, I know for a righty, the tendency this week is going to be have to draw the ball off the tee, and that works well for his power fade out there as a lefty. So, um, but if, with this rough, wet rough out there, um, I don't see a great week from Phil. But going back to John, um, it's a shame. I, or it's not a shame. It's actually a beautiful thing that there are all these guys at the top of the, the world golf rankings and with them flip-flopping each week. And it, it's, uh, it's great for the game. It's great for um, – it's great to see that the best players are winning – um, every other week. I mean, since the comeback, there's been of, you know, uh, the top guys are winning, and that's really cool. And mix in Morikawa, when the Morikawa, excuse me, one of the uh, the new young guns. That's it's exciting for the game of golf moving forward. And like I um, was saying, this is a, a fun time for golf because in the next 11 months we have seven majors, and then at the top all that off, they're going to award the gold medal next July in Japan. So. Um, there's really you can really make a move here and shoot and maybe di- uh, create some distance between yourself and some others like Tiger did 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, it's exciting and uh, Ron looks to be pretty good. Just don't wear that shirt you wore to Wimbledon; he'll <laughs> be okay. Uh, that was seriously terrible. Everybody, that was if you haven't atrocious. seen it, look it up. Uh, Josh Wynn, Money Mitch Effect. Let's just run through some players we like and don't like, and I can get the ball rolling. I'm high on this guy. He's plus five thousand. Tony Finau, can we get some love at this major? I would love to see Tony win. He hits the ball once again a long way. Um, struggles on the weekends are not necessarily on Saturdays, but on Sundays. His scoring mm-hmm. average on Sundays is pretty high um, and just really hasn't gotten the the, uh, the job done when he's been in position to win. And um, to do that at a major with the added pressure um, is going to be difficult, but I certainly would not count him out and um, – would love to see a guy like that from someone who, you know, won a hole in one contest when he was 17 years old and had to turn pro because he needed to collect the money for his family and work through the minor leagues and up to where he is today. And I'm sure you remember a couple of years ago when he snapped his ankle in the Masters yep. Par Three contest and that then finished pretty... and then golfed out well that weekend. I mean, yes. that's just uh, that's just insane. Top... 10 or 15 that weekend well, so yeah i mean and look at you know this year i mean i know he's he's had a couple top five finishes in these majors but he's got five top tens this year so maybe he's yeah. turned a corner maybe he's you know someone that could take advantage someone else i know you'd love to see do pretty well is your boy patrick cantley out of long beach sir and that guy is uh somebody that's i think 28 to 1 i think around that range so yeah and it's just so quiet, such an introverted guy, but just plays his game and knows knows his game. And and uh, he's definitely someone to look at me. He's 10th in the world. Nobody in the world could tell you that. Um, California guy as well, so used to playing in these conditions with the wet ball and knows, knows his game in these conditions, which is going to be really important, I think, this week, certainly. 
So who else uh, is on your sleeper pool or maybe just someone to not necessarily win but make their move and top 10, top 5, contend to get into maybe that final pairing on Sunday? I like Xander Shoffley, another California kid. Um, I know I'm being a homer here, but just um, he's 11th in the world, so I'm really not going out on a limb there. Uh, in terms of the Euros, you have Tommy Fleetwood, who we both I know like, and uh, Matt Wallace. There's a kid, uh, new rookie on tour, Tom Lewis, who um, has proven well, finished tied for second last week. Um, and another couple, I don't know, this is a the theme here, but California kids. I mentioned Colin Morikawa, who won earlier this this since the restart, and uh, Matt Wolf, another Southern California kid who um, who ha- has, can do great things. Um, Victor Hovland is another kid that I really like, um, and that's the fun part about seeing this game of golf. You got these kids in their early twenties who aren't afraid to go up against Tiger and Phil and the old guard here, and uh, especially coming into a major championship week it's fun to uh to think what these kids can do and they have no fear they know how to answer questions in the press and they're not they're not uh taken aback by anything that anyone does around them they just play their own game and go out there and uh make it happen so um those would be my top few um in terms of people to miss the cut i mean I, I'm not sure. I mean, everyone kind of knows, but Jordan Spieth's not playing that great. Um, yeah, so going for the career slam too, right? Like this exciting, is the only one he hasn't exactly. won. Exactly, yeah. but it's it is the only one he hasn't won, and he's been doing this now for a few years and um, trying to win this PGA. And I think the course is not that the course is too long because it's only 7,200 yards, and in today's day and age, that's short. But um, I, I don't think that his game's where it needs to be. And I don't think his confidence is where it needs to be yet right. um, to to do it, um, to get back to where he is. I mean, certainly has the talent to do it eventually, but um, even hearing some of his comments in the press this week just doesn't seem like he's mentally there yet. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Uh, it's It feels like forever since it was his run. It's only been a few years, and he's still under 30, so there is time for this to, to figure out. Uh, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have to make picks to not make the cut, the easy one at the top of the betting board for me, and I love him, is DJ. I could see it yep. going badly and, and you know not working. And if it doesn't, then I reverse jinx them and he does well. So it's a win win for me. <laughs> that is a win win for I'll, you. I'll also throw out uh, Patrick Reed because he has no fans to boo him and motivate him to play well. That's a good one. Um, a, a sleeper that that could make the cut who's who's in the top ten is Justin Rose. Um, yeah, he. Hasn't played that great, um, really, since coming since since the uh, recent comeback. Adam Scott, who's top fifteen in the world, hasn't played since LA Championship or the LA Open when we were there um, back in. Or I guess they call it the Genesis now, but we were back there in February. So long layoffs for these guys. Like I mentioned, Phil earlier, I could see it going really poorly for Phil or really great. But uh, Phil, if he gets that this rough gets in his head then he's going to be out of it and he's getting old and (laughs) might as well just go collect checks like Jim Furyk did last week on the champions tour. It's very possible. Also hope to see some good golf out of, you know, one of our favorites who's never won Ricardo, Ricky Fowler. Uh, I would love to see him kind of break through 
time. Not necessarily on his side, but with golf, you never know. It could be a breakthrough. Uh, I'll throw out some just longer shots of, of players I like. I could see making it interesting. I do want to give a shout-out. I don't know that he wins, but one of my favorites, I know one of yours, Max Homa. I want to see him do pretty well. He's Love been him. grinding around. Uh, here's a sleeper, though. Based on uh, some interesting finishes and playing the best golf of his life at an older age, older for golf, uh, Ches Reeve. Third yes. in the U.S. Open last year. You can get him at plus 10,000. Whoa. I mean, that might be worth a, a few bucks. There's a chance there. I mean, there's, you know, look, you don't know what's going to happen. I know he's, you know, 38, 39 years old, but gets hot, plays the course well. Some weird things happen. This could feel like a U.S. Open with the course, so I could dig that, that one. That's a great pick. Um, a couple of the guys that have been playing well this year as well, not necessarily sleepers, but Daniel Berger and Ryan Palmer. Um, have had really good comebacks and have shot themselves way up the the world golf rankings. Um, a guy who seems to come and play every single major, Mark Leishman, he's my buddy David's favorite player and always will um, <clears throat> want to get him on the list because he plays well in big events and is not afraid of playing with Tiger or Justin or JT um, and, or, excuse me, or Rory or any of the guys. And, um, Always look to see, um, look forward to seeing what he's bringing to the table each each major week. Well, I can't wait. Should be a lot of fun. I think we did a great job previewing the PGA Championships here with Josh Wynn on the Money Mitch Effect. We've got a couple minutes left over, so I'll let you talk about the NBA bubble if you'd like to just talk hoops for a second. Sure, I'll talk some Lakers hoops. Oh, okay, that's it. So it's just <laughs> Lakers hoops. I mean, congrats on the one seed. I don't really know what home court gets you in a bubble, but uh, no. I mean, I I think where I'm at right now is I'm not fully invested yet, invested at all yet, because it was an interesting choice. I understand why they did it, Josh. But to finish out the season, you know, I, I think that they're going to be there's going to be a gearing up process even for the teams that have clinched to getting ready for playoff basketball. It's a unique thing, but taking all those teams, it's hard to just you know, dive right into it and dive right back into a high-level basketball. It's been good, but I think there's still another level, another gear or two to get to. I, I think so as well. And, you know, let's hope that there is some mix-up at the bottom of those um, – the bottom of the standings. And, like, Phoenix has started hot. They won three in a row. They beat the Clippers last night and um, could sneak in. And th- that's kind of the exciting part. You don't want to just say, oh, your season's over because you were – a game and a half out when the right. when the season stops. So, in terms of the home court, yeah, what, what does it mean? You get more virtual fans to <laughs> cheer for you if you're the number that's, one seed. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how that works. But, See, that's um, why I, I think I would have. You know, obviously, I'm, I'm biased in a lot of ways, but I, I like I like the method more of what the NHL did in terms of taking the teams that have a gripe and playing like a qualifying round. Mm-hmm. Because that way, and then you can have the Lakers and Clippers play, and you know the top teams that are already in play each other to get those game reps. And that's why I don't really have any predictions. Like even in hockey, I don't really have any predictions, <laughs> even with the qualifying rounds going on, because we don't know what this is like. These teams haven't played in four or five months. Exactly, and they're trying to get back in the groove. Um, Lakers got crushed the other night by Toronto, who. Toronto, Milwaukee, there's a couple really good teams in the East. Now, can they compete with the two L.A. teams? We shall see. But um, they seemed, they being Toronto, seemed very, uh, like well they gelled really sure. well, very well coached. And, like, they almost don't even miss Kawhi, who is mm. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. So, um, and I know Giannis has something to say. Your, your Greek uh, 
um, <laughs> yeah, patriarch my brethren, there. My brethren, yeah, yeah, your brethren. <laughs> and uh, I know they have a little chip on their shoulder, and they knock down that outside shot. I mean, that's yeah. going to be important in in the playoffs, and um, it's going to be fun. It, it, I think inevitably this will be an asterisk season. Uh, I remember back to when Phil Jackson always threw the asterisks on the Spurs winning their championship in, I think, 99 uh, after the 50-game shortened season. But inevitably, if the Lakers win and win their 17th to tie Boston, you know all the Boston fans are not going to be down with that. So no. um, if the Clippers win, for instance, no one in L.A. is going to really respect it because... <laughs> why, are we, why are we still counting Minneapolis championships? Like, haven't you won enough in L.A.? Like, it doesn't need... It's not going to... You know, no one's going to be like, wow, the Lakers really suck because we took away those Minneapolis titles. Like, I... Just a gripe I have, but I agree with most of what you're saying because it's going to be weird. Like something, and I've said this with hockey too. Something weird is going to happen in these playoffs. It's exciting, but it's probably not what would have happened if we played 82 games and went right into the playoffs. You might see veteran teams, teams get healthy that don't have a lot of miles on, just kind of play well. Uh, a team like Houston could catch fire without any size and play well. Portland's looked good if they sneak in, so. I would just yep. be prepared for the unexpected, and that's why you know I haven't really gotten into predicting anything because I just got to see see something. Just got to see. Yeah, I know. Uh, that, that's that's a great point there, and and just figuring out what your body can do after this long layoff. I, I don't know how many of these players worked as hard as some of the others did during these layoffs, and I mean, we saw the videos of. LeBron working out every day um, during quarantine, but yeah. I know some of his teammates said they didn't touch a ball for three months. Well, how about Giannis lying and saying that he, he lied? <laughs> he said, I didn't want the other players to get an advantage. I wanted them to think <laughs> I wasn't working out. Uh, it's it's interesting, and, and I just I think there's going to be a, a, gear, a paradigm shift when the playoffs start, so I'm holding out all judgment until then. Uh, even teams that have underachieved all year, like Philadelphia, for example, um, when the playoffs hit, do things start to change? We shall see. The seating is going to be interesting. You know, Lucas looked great for Dallas. How does the bracket shape up? Even that Lakers Clippers game. I mean, you had Lou Williams out and a lot of players. It's just tough to take anything away. Um, so I, I understand getting game reps in before the playoffs, but we pretty much knew who were going to be the main factors before and uh, who are going to be the main factors with the playoffs. So. It seems like it, and uh, hopefully there's no surprises. We got some. Everybody stays healthy and uh, give it a go because it's going to be like we mentioned at the start. It's just fun to watch sports again. So um, it's it's good to have something on TV to tune into and to cheer for and uh, to get behind. Um, and I uh, look forward to the next six weeks to two months and see what uh, what transpires. Going to be great. Josh Whitten, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Again, giving out some good PGA Championship advice, talking a little hoops. Be on again uh, as a reoccurring guest officially. You'll be on again soon, but thanks for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, Mitch. Take care. All right, huge thanks again to Josh Whitten, a very, very astute golf mind. And we'll have to get him back on here uh, to see what happens, see how right or... (laughs) Unfortunately, wrong we might be with some of our picks because you never know when you talk a golf major. All right, now it's time to switch gears, talk about a couple different sports with Tyler Tesson. We went to school together. Always been a uh, always been a passionate sports fan and uh, always just told it like it is. I've always appreciated that. We're going to talk about 
what it's like right now in Major League Baseball. He's from St. Louis. The Cardinals had that COVID outbreak. What the season might look like down the stretch. How they're going to get the games in. The football season that you know our team's going to be sleeping on Cam Newton and the Patriots. Is that even possible? Brady and the uh, Bucks. What that's going to look like, and a lot of other football thoughts as well. Some NHL bubble talk as. That is just hockey every day, and we cannot get enough of it. I'm speaking for myself, of course. But here's Tyler Tesson now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, back on the Money Mitch Effect, talking a wide range of sports with my buddy, college friend, teammate, Tyler Tesson, back again. Tyler, thanks for joining the show. No, no shortage now. We've been waiting for sports, and then they all just dropped uh, like at the exact same time. So thanks for coming on during this now busy season. Yeah, yeah. I don't think if we had football going, we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves right now with all the sports going on, hockey 24 hours a day, basically. I'm on Pacific time, so I wake up, and, and there's a game on within like a couple hours of uh, my day. So it is, it is pretty – pretty insane you got two pro sports league in bubbles and you got two would you say that probably wish they were in bubbles right now yeah i think that's safe to say at this point it's just it's insane everything that's happening trying to happen the the calendar is changing i do want to start with baseball because first time i've seen a sport just decide they're going to change the rules on the fly uh, in regards to a lot of different things nothing quite beat how they changed the playoff structure hours before opening day that was a nice touch to this season uh but everything's going on they've uh they've had their issues with covid the marlins had a big outbreak and then your native town and your native team the st louis cardinals which we think are coming and nursing back to health but uh it's been a wild couple of weeks for the baseball season you hear that threatened word of will they actually be able to finish it how do you read what's going on with baseball tyler do you think that there's going to be some serious issues or do you think they can kind of weather the storm and finally crown a champion. I mean, I think the biggest issues they're going to run into is I feel like almost every team is going to go through the cycle that the Cardinals and Marlins are in. So it's going to be a challenge when they get to the point where they have so many makeup games and they, you know, to get them all played and get in the playoffs, they're going to be, you know, the World Series is going to be a Christmas if they they keep changing things the way they are. So. I, I just think baseball's in a tough spot, and I, I think they're just going to – they're probably going to do everything they can to keep playing, but, yeah, it's it's not going to be easy, and it's so strange. I mean, who would have ever thought in our lifetime um, Gary Bettman would be looking like one of the better commissioners from a, from a strategy standpoint? I, I don't think we ever would have thought we'd see the day of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I think they've got, you know, we're biased with the hockey background, but I think they've got the best postseason format or the best return to and a postseason format. The bubble with the NBA works, but the NBA trying to bring back the season, I just don't really know, you know, what that's all about. I, I think that having, you know, competitive, a competitive sport rate from the get-go is the way to go. But with baseball, I agree with you. I think that there's going to be outbreaks. The doubleheader move to play seven-inning games First, it was announced that it was just going to be, you know, at a certain point they're going to schedule all these doubleheaders. Now it's just an assumption that you're going to play seven inning games. Such a preventative measure. Like, you know, they're just doing everything in their power to just prepare and brace for any outbreak. And, you know, who's to say that a team like the Cardinals, Marlins, or whoever might not go through this multiple times? And then what do you do? Right, right, exactly. And it's, 
you know, and it's just all the staff that they have. And then when, you know, you're at a different stadium, the staff at the stadium taking care of the visiting players who then spread it to their play. You know, it's just, it's just not set up to be successful. Well, I'm going to hold out hope as an optimist because sports is all that I really, you know, have all that we really have right now to be optimistic about. Uh, but the baseball season, it's going to be a weird one. You can throw out asterisk or whatever the word is that you want. We're just going to try to find entertainment in any in any form. Uh, I'd have to say right now, though, the, uh, the Astros are giving it to us. And uh, props to former Cardinal <laughs> Joe Kelly for just pouring gasoline on the fire that is never going to go out as long as Houston has those players in the league. Yeah, I mean, we need something on Sports Center these days, and that was the perfect opportunity to do it. I mean, you know, I, I think there's a little bit more. You know, Joe Kelly wasn't on the Dodgers, you know, at the mm-hmm. time of the World Series. But, I mean, if you're the Dodgers and you feel like you had a World Series just stolen, you know, from you, I I don't blame anyone on that team for going after the Astros. It's, yeah. Well, uh, you know, they've got it coming. They know it's coming, so they're just going to have to deal with it. Right. No player got punished. I, I keep coming back to that. No player was punished for the cheating scandal. With that said, you look at all these different issues, and there's been teams that have been hated, and there's been you know, beanball games and whatnot. But Dusty Baker, who, wasn't again, just came into the situation to, to try to weather the storm, he, I think he kind of actually stoked the flames when him, by him going public early, saying, we got to protect our guys. we got to make sure they don't get killed out there. Well, that's just only going to piss the people off that already hate you. So I don't think that really helped that right. much at all. And, and I agree. This is going to keep happening city to city. It's not just the Dodgers. It's the Yankees. It's the Red Sox. You know, it's all the teams in their own division. It's not going to go away. To your first point, I mean, it is just amazing that that one player was punished. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the guys who are actually doing the cheating and, you know, yeah. benefiting from it, you know, the owner and GM take the fall, or the GM takes the fall on the coach, but how do the players are, I'm really surprised they didn't take rings away, to be honest, it, you know. Right. Get your Heisman Trophy taken away because you took some money. But or, a fi- or a final four. <laughs> you know? Right, right. It, it's insane. Yeah, it, that that part of it, it baffles me that if you're not going to suspend them, that they didn't get their rings taken away, or that the banner didn't come down, and, and their, that title wasn't just vacated. But um, as far as the, you know, kind of sifting here, Tyler, as, as far as the 18 playoff goes, I think this seems to me like it's they're trying to incentivize don't just use this as a throwaway season. Like I know it's a short 60 games. They you know, they want to keep teams in it and theoretically less games means there's more opportunity to stay in the race. What do you think about adding those playoff teams and, and just deepening the field? I mean, I I don't have too big of an issue with, you know, all the different playoff formats. It's like if there's going to be a year you're going to try some things out and do things differently, this is definitely the year to try it. So I mean, I, I think they're trying to get as much possible money out of, you know, the situation as they possibly can. So they want to keep as many fan bases into it, you know, as long as possible. So I I don't really have a big issue, but, you know, it's we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be I'm really funny. surprised they haven't tried changing some of the rules. You know, we keep hearing baseball wants to speed things up and, you know, potentially putting some new rules in place to speed up the game as far as changing pitchers and th- you know, things like yeah. that. I'm really, yeah. you know, you really would think if you're, if you wanted to experiment with some of that stuff, this would be the perfect year to try it out. And if it doesn't work, whatever, you know, water under the bridge, you go back to normal next year. 
Brett, runner on second and extra innings wouldn't be the one that I would stick with as like we're just going to try this <laughs> this year. Uh, but, right. But, yeah, no, this would be the year to just spice it up. And uh, my number one, I mean, we've probably talked about this, but they got to speed up the replay process. It's just ridiculous how much time. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I feel like that in most sports, but baseball, it just seems like it's already a slow enough game. You don't need to be doing that. Uh, but, you know, and again yeah. with baseball, along with basketball and hockey, I've just refrained from really making predictions because this is going to be a weird year. We don't know what we're going to see uh, in these sports that have altered seasons or in, in the winter sports' case had that large break that was basically an off season. So, you know, MLB players just went through two spring trainings. It's hard to really know what you're going to have. Yeah, yeah, and I think, uh, unfortunately, I think baseball is kind of already showing the, <laughs> the problems that football is going to have in the fall. It's you pretty yeah. much have the same setup. They're not doing anything different, and you have about ten times the number of players and staff that are going to be on each team. And it's just, well, just seeing how it's going with baseball. I don't know how anybody can be optimistic that football is going to keep going just fine. I'm okay. It's a good transition to the football season because I'm torn on this one. I try to keep an open mind and try not to, you know, make make decisions, especially with this virus and this pandemic where things are changing rapidly. You don't really know, good or bad, what the future is going to hold. Football is going to have problems. At the pro level, I just want to focus on that. They're, they're bracing for, I think, the worst, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But this opt-out thing, giving giving the players the chance, rightfully so, to just decline the season, I was a little shocked by how quickly a lot of players jumped on it. You know, I don't know if you were, but there are a lot of players, and the more and more you know cases are coming up, coaches, players are testing positive. It seems like we're getting into some really some pretty good players that are opting out. Were you surprised by the number and the quality of players doing so? Yeah, it it's really strange that football. You know, we heard some big names in baseball that we're going to, but no one really ended up doing it. You know, it's just football. You know, I feel like it's. You know, five to ten times more people opting out and big name people than any other sport. You just, it's so strange that that's the one sport that we keep hearing it over and over about. Yeah, and you get that, I think, almost like an advance in money. It's not, you know, necessarily, it's not what you would make, clearly, uh, anywhere near what you would make. Still really good money for doing nothing, and it's preserving your safety. There's varying degrees of it, uh, why you would do it, obviously, if you have a, a compromised immune system or if someone in your family whether it's a newborn or someone might be prone to it. That makes total sense. I'll tell you what really pissed me off, and it just brings it back home because it makes me think that football might happen, is being pissed off at a Browns player again. Odell Beckham saying all that stuff and then not opting out is just, like, what does that accomplish? It just really irritates me that he grandstands there. If he doesn't want to play, that's his right. But for him to say the season shouldn't happen, just opt out. No one's forcing you to play. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Brown's got to make some noise somehow, so leave it to Odell. It's uh, you know another team that's added another league that's added a playoff team. It feels like forever ago that was announced, but seven in each league. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued by a lot of what football is going to bring, uh, but again, I think all intrigue. It seems like you're in, you're out, and the AFC points back to New England. Do you think Cam Newton and, and with the Patriots team that are leading the way in opt out opt out outs? It seems. Do you think that's something where Belichick has a, has a trick up his sleeve? Because that division still isn't that tough for me. And I, I will yeah. absolutely take the Patriots to cover. I think that I saw their win total at like seven and a half. And I'm, 
I'm looking at it to bounce up a little more than that. I think Cam's going to have a great year. I don't know why. I just I feel like he's just off. You know, he's going to the best coach in the league. I just I don't know. I just have this feeling that he's just going to tear it up this year. And I you know I can see him winning ten games potentially. So I I don't know. I just it's one of those things. I just I really think it's going to be a a big year for him. But they just don't have a ton of weapons though. So we'll we'll see what happens. But I feel like he's just going to make the most of what he's got. Yeah, that total actually jumped with the Newton signing to about nine, nine and a half, so it would have been smart to get out of okay. early. I just think the Bills right. the Bills are the only team and, and they had a good they have a good defense, but you still don't know what you're getting necessarily on offense with Josh Allen. Cam was a, a great signing for the little risk that was into it. I'm not convinced he's, you know, fully healthy, but you pair him with Josh McDaniels and, and you put him with Belichick who understands both sides of the ball. It's almost like until we see them suck, I'm not going to believe it's possible. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, that's the thing. The beauty of Belichick is think of him with, uh, you know, Ian Garoppolo, what he did with Matt Castle, Brissett, you know, all those guys. He can change his strategy around their strengths, and I feel like he's just going to maximize, you know, the talent that Cam has and design the system around him. I mean, he signed him for a reason, so – yeah. You know, Cam's going to be running. I mean, think of all, you know, Brady for not being a good runner. Think of all the, like, the one-yard rush touchdowns he's had over the past couple of years, you know, with Cam on the one or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's going to stop that guy? Brady yeah. or uh, Belichick will run him four straight times before he gets in. Yeah, he doesn't care because if Cam leaves, they get a compensation pick. <laughs> so it, it's, right. it's fine for them. Um, yeah, 60 players at that opt-out list that, that – you know, thir- Thursday tomorrow is the deadline as we record this, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Even with the Patriots players opting out, they still they still have Belichick, and that's worth a lot in the league. And uh, their old quarterback going to Tampa. You know, I'm I'm I don't know whether to to think that team's underrated or overrated. I'd say properly rated. I expect them to contend for that division with New Orleans, but. You know, it's deep. The NFC is is a little different. You know, the competition, I think Brady's going to have a little bit of an increase in what he's used to. It, it seems like it's just went from, oh, this is a nice situation, and now everyone's picking them to make a Super Bowl run. And, you know, I watched a lot of those games, and for all the crap Jameis got, it wasn't just his fault that there was some issues with that team last year. Right. And the crazy thing is they just keep signing more good players, too, you know, after they got Brady. I mean, it's – I mean, offensively, they are – act and I you know I think everybody knew they were going to be good offensively it's the defense is what they've got to get figured out but I'm just really curious to see how Brady and Arians work together because I mean you're going from a guy who's just a complete control freak and manages every aspect of the game and Brady can't really get to be too creative to probably the most open-minded coach in the league who's just going to say just go out there and do whatever you want win the game chuck the ball down the field it's just I feel like it's going to be interesting to see a completely different side of Brady this year if you were one of these teams that let's say is a contender or a team that's you know looking to at least get to the playoffs would you make a run in Antonio Brown I mean I, I think it depends on your team I think you know, if it was like a Belichick, you know, I feel like he's got a good track record of controlling players that may present challenges. But 
you know, if you've got a young team, a young coach, you know, I think it could just blow up. So I, I, I really just think it's got to be a veteran team with, right. a, you know, a proven coach. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think it also depends on the court rulings as well. We got <laughs> we got to see how some things shake out. <laughs> That's a good point. But there's a suspension looming again. It'd be a late season addition. Um, I know the the Seahawks were a team floated. They're actually open to bringing Josh Gordon back if he's going to be a factor. There there's there is that market though. If you have the talent, a team could use you. you could, they could probably get you for cheap as well. Um, Baltimore yeah. might make I sense, really... but we'll see. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, I know he, he was talking to the Saints at one point. That's another team I think that could be a good fit, too. Yeah, I think the key is you probably don't want him in that locker room too long. So coming in in eight weeks <laughs> is probably a good thing. Uh, but, you know, I mean, he's still got the game where his head's at is obviously anybody's guess. But, you know, that's that's definitely uh, something else to consider. Uh, another NFL, it's, yeah, it, it's just a crazy time. I was just going to say, for a guy that top, like, it's hard to think of a guy that was that good and put up so many big numbers to just nobody wants you because of your personality. Right. You Does, know, it, it, there's just not many situations. Like, there's doesn't, good players. Yeah, but doesn't it wrong, make you think that – Not this good. Doesn't it make you think that Pittsburgh was probably, like, you know, covering stuff up? I mean, that was my first thought. How does it all just happen at once, you know, that like, wow, this guy, right. okay, he's really good. He's all pro. He's one of the best we've seen. Okay, that's an issue. And then all of a sudden, within months, it's like this guy's a lunatic. It makes me think that yeah. behind the scenes there was, you know, some issues there that were probably, you know, swept under the rug. Yeah, and I'm sure part of it, too, is, you know, he had a team around him to probably kind of control a little bit of the chaos around his life, you know, and I think when he was cut or free agent, he just, there was nobody watching over him. So it's just, you know, a ticking time bomb at that point. Yeah. And there's something for wanting out. I mean, we just saw it with Jamal Adams and, you know, it's fine to want to change the scenery. And, and even if you, you know, at that pro level, you know, demanding your way out, if, if you really feel like you can't play there, but at a certain point, I mean, it's, you know, you make a couple stops there's going to be a book out on you if you if you fail at a certain number of the teams. So it remains to be seen. Uh, the one other NFL question I was going to ask you is: uh, I'm just we're in that forecasting mode. Where is Dak Prescott's contract going to land? Because he's another guy that with with what Mahomes just got paid with the market for quarterbacks, you could just tell, right? You could just tell Jerry does not want to pay him what Dak wants thirty, forty million. Like I just no matter what. That number is Jones is hesitant because he's still like there is a better tier of quarterback. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one because he is definitely not that top tier, and he it's a gamble though because it's you let him walk and hope you can sign a free agent. You know, someone like like Cam's on the market, or you got to hope you strike gold in the draft, and you know you you pick the right year where there's a good QB. But man, I. I just don't know if I could pay that <laughs> yeah. Dak thirty to forty million dollars a year. He's just, you know, I mean, he's he's a slightly above average quarterback, you know how I would right. put it. Yeah, and what that does to your team? I mean, yes, he he wants to be compensated properly and was on a team friendly deal, which isn't the Cowboys' fault. It's where they drafted him at. You know, it's like the Mahomes contract. When when, when that does kick in, that's going to that's going to create some issues for how they're going to pay other players. So like you look at the chiefs, they do them doing it early. I think is going to be a huge help because they have these next two years before it kicks in 
where they can contend pretty easily with the money situation for the next two titles. The second Dax contract kicks in, everything changes in Dallas. Players are going to get shipped out and everything. Well, they got the Zeke contract on top of it, too. You know, there's there's not many teams that have a quarterback paid that much and a running back, you know, that's the highest paid running back in the league or close to it. So it's like they've dug themselves in a big hole. It's going to be fun. If we do get football, it's going to be fun to see. So I'm I'm optimistic as well. Uh, Tyler Tesson here on what, the Yeah. What do you think about, uh, just before we jump off football, what do you think about the Gurley deal? Oh, man. Uh, in regards to what he got or what he's trying to get back from the Rams? Because <laughs> that's the other thing. <laughs> well, just, you know, getting, you know, the Rams letting him go. I just, you know, it's. Yeah, he he wasn't himself for sure, but just to pay the guy that much money, it's just it's just crazy when those types of things well, happen. The Rams are going to have problems, man. I mean, everybody else in their division is moving up; they're in neutral at best. And the Gurley deal was way too much money. It actually effed up the uh, the the uh, market for running backs because people thought that's what <laughs> right. should be paid. He has the issues, but. The bigger thing is still Goff. I mean, they gave, and this is, I think, part of the reason why the Cowboys are, are hesitant. They gave Goff that deal, and he's not an elite, elite quarterback. He can do some good stuff, but they hitched their wagons to that guy. He had a mediocre year. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the same, and I think that's that's the issue they have. They traded away all their draft picks too to get a lot of veterans on short deals because they thought the window was to win now. And when you don't win, <laughs> this is what happens. And that's the crazy thing with Goff, like talking about Dak, you know, Dak has a lot more proven seasons under his belt at this point trying to get that extension. What golf had like a year and a half really where he was good and they just gave him a huge deal. It's just crazy. Yeah, I the Rams are going to have some issues because they're they're not I mean they have some really good players, but there's not a lot of flexibility on that team. Um the way they stack the contracts up part of the business, you know, you're going to have some some lean years and you know who they paid it's not it's not a crime to be paying quarterbacks big money you know the Seahawks having to do it with Russell Wilson's a prime example there's going to be you know growing pains with dealing with that contract but at the end of the day they have Russell Wilson the Rams have Jared Goff right that's you know that that's where I think that is so uh it's I want to see Gurley play some good football I hope Atlanta you know going back to Georgia where he played in college can bring out some of the best in him but uh he clearly wasn't himself the last couple years so to see. Uh, but a couple more things here on uh, the Money Mitch Effect with Tyler Tesla. And I just want to get your thoughts on some of the hockey bubble because I've just been crushing NHL games on TV, you know, at home, at work, in the background, wherever, for the, you know, 12 hours a day. It's been very, very refreshing to have hockey back in my life. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, the NHL did it the right way. I think two different arenas is perfect, you know, two different cities. You got everybody there. You got more of the round robin style, you know, to get in. I just, you know, I think they got creative in the right ways where it didn't disrupt, you know, what everybody's used to. And I, you know, I just think it's worked out great for them. And I even think on TV it looks good, just how they got the arena set up. And hockey's one of those sports you have, you, it almost adds to without the fans a little bit. You can hear the hits louder, you know, when it hits the post, it's louder. There's just, you know, there's different things that you don't normally get from the game that we're getting right now. So I, I think it's really working out well for them. The players have taken it seriously. They've bought in. Um, and, and knowing how tough playoff hockey is, I think part of it is knowing how tough 
getting your your body getting that adrenaline up getting you know ramping up to that energy level can't be easy when you've had all these months off so for them to take this commitment seriously to agree to do this and then really from the first game i mean carolina rangers first playoff game there were fights there were massive hits it was high level short stay in the bubble though for the rangers but uh, everything else is pretty good but you know, even the round robin games, like I was watching a lot of that St. Louis Colorado game, and that did not feel like just a round robin seeding game. Right, right, yeah. The Blues struggled in the first, you know, preseason game with the Blackhawks, but they, you know, you can tell it was taking them a while to get their legs back. But yeah, that was a great game, and not the greatest ending for us, but uh, wow. it was a great game. Yeah, I mean that game was uh, that game was pretty incredible to watch, and I know you mentioned the Blues having to get their legs back with Boston struggling as well. You know, the two top teams in their conference—it's just fascinating to me, and you can even say scary for a lot of teams that what momentum you had going into that final playoff push is basically gone now. So you have to start it from scratch, and teams that were rolling doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case going forward. That that's. That's a tricky one. It's good to have that opportunity to play, but you got to start from scratch again and, and raid and playoff hockey for most of these teams. Yeah, well, and I think the other part, too, is, you know, these teams had a great regular season, but I feel like the teams that have come out of the gates flying are these teams that had terrible regular seasons, but now they have a shot. So, you know, they're going all, you know, I feel like they're almost playing with more of a sense of urgency because they almost feel like they got a second life here. So I, I think that's been an interesting part. Yeah, and, and veteran teams especially, uh, I think this is great for. If you've had injuries and if you have a bunch of old bodies that normally the season goes a certain way, you make the playoff push. If you're, if you're fighting to make the playoffs, you've got to just book it to get there. You might be on your last legs and then you know have that tank on empty in the playoffs. Now getting time off might be a blessing for teams that are you know, veteran-laden or who have been through this grind before. So something to kind of pay attention to as we see how the seeding in the qualifying round shakes out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a, I don't think there's ever been a time in playoff hockey where there's probably, you know, the injury list has been so short going into it. It's, it's going to make it fun. Cause you know, I, I think it, it's going to take a week or two for teams to kind of get fully back in the groove of things, maybe a little longer, but I think by the time we get deep in the playoffs, I think, it's going to read right back to kind of the playoff hockey that we know. Well, you see some players showing out. I, you know, watching the game tonight, Crosby just taking over chunks of the game. McDavid against the Blackhawks. My goodness. I mean, <laughs> I, th- there's no debate now, right? Like he's the fastest player that the game's ever seen. Yeah. I mean, he is so quick. He's so, he's just so shifty too. I mean, I can't think of many NHL players that just, going full speed at a defenseman, just turning into breakaways, just being so shifty with the puck and just being so fast. I mean, it's just like he's got a whole other gear, you know, compared to the rest of the league. He does. Um, it's always fun to watch the great ones take over, especially that second game. He came out possessed after what happened uh, in the first one and how low scoring the games have been. That's like the series that's the only one like that where it's just offense all the time how those two teams play, uh, especially. But then you have, you know, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets in Toronto playing some of the ugliest hockey that this league's ever seen. So it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's a nice contrast to have different types of games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Blackhawks here, it is just 
100 miles an hour and then you get the <laughs> blue jackets just grinding it out out there but hey it's it's gonna pay off for long term i mean going to beat other teams down as we get ready for some of these best of seven series it's going to be weird because for a lot of reasons no fans is one but just goaltenders having to get used to you know their eyesight being their sight line being a little different with no fans with everything kind of in front of them the fact that you're playing all those games in the same arena i know they change the jerseys and you know try to mix it up but you know, I think from a viewing expe- viewing experience too, it it hasn't actually been that weird. Like it's still, like you said, like they've been piping in some of that crowd noise and you know trying to spice up the production value. I, I'm actually surprised myself that I don't think it's that different. But got to imagine the players, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a little weird. It's gonna be a little different, especially as you you know don't have that crowd to kind of push you through those tough moments and uh, get you going. No, I agree. It's I, I don't know. I, I feel like hockey just is – I don't notice it as much, you know, with how they have everything set up. When I watch a baseball game, it just doesn't look right. <laughs> you know, there's just so many open seats everywhere, like the cardboard cutouts. It's just seeing all the empty seats. And I know the stadiums are a little different, but I don't know. It just – you're watching it. It just doesn't feel the same. But when I'm watching – hockey or basketball for that matter I feel like basketball you know it kind of feels the same as normal it's definitely I would not go with the cardboard cutout route I want that on record it's weird but the <laughs> virtual fans thing is bizarre I was watching a baseball game with that um, but hey it's better than what the Korean baseball league did or tried to do uh, when some of those dolls just weren't what they saw so uh, is what it is <laughs> football football is going to be the weird one I feel like it's that one's going to be I'm very curious to see what they're going to do and the college side of it too I mean that's the one that's the one league where I think is most likely to not happen I think the NFL is going to happen in some form it's going to be a weird season probably that you know asterisk season but college is in trouble mainly in my opinion because they don't have a they don't have somebody to take charge there is no Roger Goodell it's all these conferences trying to prove that they're better than everybody else and no one could get along well, and the fact, too, where if there are certain colleges where students are back and these players are going to class, or, you know, I, I don't, there's no way they're going to let these football players go to class. But, you know, if they're walking around campus and it's like business as usual, I mean, you know, first you're going to a big team with a big staff, but then you have a whole college campus there. I mean, it's just, it's just a recipe for disaster. Conference only was the only way this was possible. Uh, so now you have the benefit too, right, Tyler, where if they have the season, good luck picking any form of playoff, right? You thought it was bad before with the playoff <laughs> committee. <laughs> I just, you know, the conference only thing, it just doesn't really make that much. It would be one thing if you were going to pick one stadium and, you know, all the conference was going to stay in one bubble area and that's why they were doing it. But is there really a difference between – you know, going from LSU to Alabama or, you know, or from LSU to Oklahoma, like, is it really that big of a difference? Like right. it just, it, it just does, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Right. It's like it, if yeah, you were you... going to take precautions and do a bubble, yes, I get it. Mm-hmm. But just to say no out of conference is just, it <laughs> seems crazy. Right. Like you could do Iowa, you can't do Iowa, Iowa state, but you can do Iowa and like Rutgers in New York. Uh, right. It's, uh, <laughs> it's um, no, I think it's just because they wanted control of the testing, which I'm not agreeing with. It's just 
proves my original point that they don't control, you know, they, they don't have anybody to take charge of this thing. They want to have control right. of the testing and they want the fact to be that, you know, there will be, you know, blame, it'll be the blame game if everybody is playing out of conference who caused what outbreak. So, um, I, hey, but you know what? Never in my lifetime did I think I'd see Notre Dame playing an ACC conference schedule. So, <laughs> right. something new there for Brian Kelly to maybe actually win something for a change. But we'll see. Um, all right, Tyler, this was a blast. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. I'm just excited to see what happens with sports going forward. Uh, a lot of other sports we didn't mention, but yeah, just try to get through it. And uh, pandemics are tough for everybody, obviously. But I think I speak for a lot of sports fans when I say that. This is a way I can kind of get through it. I can I can live with staying in, social distancing, staying away from people wearing masks, but also having sports on 24-7 to stay home. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely helps ease the, <laughs> ease the burden. So looking forward to getting the playoffs going here. Thanks again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect, Tyler Tesson, and uh, hope to have you back soon. All right. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate it. That's it for today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Big thanks again to both guests, Josh Whitten and Tyler Tesson. Thanks again to Brian Nelson for supplying the logo that you see on every podcast episode. And Tim Adams for supplying the beats that you hear going into the show, during the show, and going out of it. I'm just pumped to be back. Thanks for everybody out there for listening. Check out the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. And obviously, check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. I'm on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. Big shout out, I want to say, to my boy Shane Bieber with the Cleveland Indians, a reoccurring guest, hopefully, on the show. We had him uh, a couple, about a year and a half ago now. And uh, Cy Young, maybe, I'm just going to throw out there. A, a bright spot for the Indians. It's all pitching, no hitting. But uh, big shout out to him. We're going to try to do multiple episodes, at least try once a week with the hockey playoffs really kicking a gear. Go Jackets tonight, by the way. So it should be fun with all the sports going on. But I am Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next week.